you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Dursout. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. We're uh, getting pretty excited over here. The, the Philadelphia Flyers season has concluded. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. And then starting tomorrow at time of recording, we're recording on Sunday evening here. Uh, we're just one day away from the start of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. In the next 24 uh, hours, there will be a playoff game on. Is it? Is it Christmas? It feels like Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. I mean... And, Man, and the matchups, we have some phenomenal matchups. We'll be getting into those in the back half of the show. We do have our full playoff uh, preview going on today. Um, Before we dive into everything going on here, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We're really trying to grow over there, trying to get that going. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Um, Kevin, are you going to be active during the playoffs? You're going to be watching along? Well, absolutely watching along active, um, trying to think of different ways to be active, kind of. I mean, I'm okay. going to be on Twitter throughout like like I usually am, but I'm also trying to think about different ways because it's been a while since I've had. I mean, we do talk about the league. I'm not saying we don't, but it's right. been a while since I've kind of done anything that's dedicated to around the league type stuff. I did for a little bit, obviously. Um, so I'm thinking of trying to utilize, you know, maybe utilize Instagram a little bit more or something like that, or do some things, you know, toss out the handle. Well, it's the same. It's, oh, it's the same. Kevin underscore Darso on Instagram as well. Yes, it is. There's no changes. Like you just follow along on the same. I try to be consistent across my platforms here. So this way, uh, you know, it's really easy. Um, but you know, like I, I just want, you know, maybe to put something out there a little bit more and do a few different things just because it's. You know, this is the part of the year that's going to get really boring from more or less our from a local not, coverage. Perspective. R- right. It's right. And definitely not boring from around the league. Obviously, we're excited for four playoff games a day kind of stuff in the first round. It's it's like the it's like the NCAA tournament a little bit when it's like, you know, when there's all these games at the beginning and it's exciting and then you slowly kind of work your way down to the best of the best in the last couple. You know, and all that stuff, and there's only uh, one. Whoever a day survives as far as the NHL goes. Oh, sure. But you know what I mean? Well, it's and it's. But it's the last like a oh, one a day kind of stuff, and you're really now you're getting to like it's showcased matchups. Oh yeah, this is this is just a whole mishmash of stuff where it's like, you know, if you got multiple screens, utilize them. It because is you beautiful, may need... beautiful chaos. Exactly. So um. all of that applies, but that's but it does get boring for me from a local standpoint because honestly. I like and this is where I'm coming from with this. I'd love to be able to do all that stuff all year long, all playoffs long. The local audience isn't going to have as much of an appetite for it. Their team's out. There's other things going on in the city. You know, push that to the side kind of stuff. Sure. But speaking of the local coverage, you know, it hasn't gotten boring quite yet. We did have no. some, some exit interviews here. We did have the season come to a conclusion. Sure. And I do want to say before we yeah. even get into the player yeah. side of things. You know, obviously, we're a day in advance of the other part of the exit interviews, which is going to be John Tortorella and Danny Briere. There's a decent chance. Those are going to be very interesting. Well, they're going to be interesting, but there's a decent chance that somewhere in the next, potentially in the next 24 hours, I'm not saying it's definite, but we've already talked about how all signs kind of point to Danny Briere is going to be the GM. Just drop the interim tag. It's going to happen. The idea, though, is that there's a chance that this could happen in line with him addressing the media end of year, like season's ended. Now we're onto the off season. Oh, by the way, he's officially in. We've removed now, the interim tag. Right. And now we're going to dive into the search for the president of hockey ops and where it goes from there kind of stuff. So there's a decent chance that that happens as soon as tomorrow. And that's really where 
uh, like after that, that's really where a lot of the offseason activity disappears for a while. I mean, I kind of have already said the next big milestone date that everybody's going to have circled is May 8th when the lottery happens. Yep. And I, I'm not sure I have to double check this, but I do think it that I think that that week potentially falls in line with our kind of like our offseason schedule a little bit or our postseason schedule, however you want to look at it. Okay. And I think that maybe we may have to push that show back to after the lottery. Just I, because, I agree. Just in case something happens. I'm not expecting it, but just in case. You know, because because we're saying there's a chance, obviously. I mean, there's right. a six point five percent chance. Sure. And it is more. I know we've talked about Connor Bedard kind of ad nauseum. We've had the point watch on him all year, et cetera, et cetera. But I do want to point out that if the Philadelphia Flyers win the lottery and get the second pick, Adam Fantilli is a fantastic player. Um, if they end up and they can't end up anywhere else, they can end up one, two. What's it? Seven, eight, nine. Um that's where they can can end up via the lottery. Now there well, are some stories out there. I believe, I believe this was TSN and Darren Drager had this where it's that Briere may look to get aggressive and move up and do something with that. Now listen, it's going to be tough, and and it's I, I be kind of difficult. Well, and I already kind of debunked one one part of it, which is whoever gets the pick for Bedard is, is not trading it. You're not. And I would, and I I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would also deal number two, knowing Fantilli's probably the. As spectacular as he looks like he's going to be. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what's even scarier about him? Because Bedard's going to be here next year. Like, he'll be up in the NHL next year because that's the way it's going to be. Yep. Fantilli may go back to college. Yep. And it's looking more and more likely. And that's a scary thought that he's going to go back and get another year, you know, play his sophomore season out. And maybe by the time he gets to the NHL level, be even more prepared to play against that competition. So that's a, that's going to be a crazy thought. I mean, I mean, kid already took home the hardware for the college yep. season. You know, he already took home the Hobie Baker. So this is pretty good. You know, and and you know was on track. I mean, got to a Frozen Four. So you know, I, I get it. Didn't they didn't win? But doesn't matter. You're there. You're right there. Maybe you go back for one more shot at that. I guess I don't know. But you get the point, right? Like, he's not going to be a bad consolation prize. But then you start getting into three, four, you know. Let's just say I wouldn't rule it out. Like, teams may be willing to kind of play with whatever package deal you're going to offer for those picks. So well, it's and, something and to keep lot, in the back of your mind. That's all. And I'm a saying. lot of that does depend on who ends up moving up and kind of what, what goes on with the rest of the lottery ball. So like you said, that May 8th date is super duper important. That's really when things are going to pick up once we have the draft order. That's and I do want to make sure start to get get wild. Yeah, and I do want to make sure people understand that teams like Pittsburgh, for example, who missed the playoffs, they're 14th in terms of being in or 13th or 14th. They're one of those two. So I think it's 14th because they but you can't and move up Pittsburgh more gets than gets it. I swear. No, well, no, because you can't move up more than 10 spots. Oh, right, 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 right. right. So everybody's like worried, like, oh, Pittsburgh's going to get this spot because that's just how it works. No, no, no. If they get one of the polls, they're only moving up 10. So then, you know, the top three in terms of odds, I want to make sure we clarify that as well, because, right. you know, it's not always the, it's really the bottom three of the league. So Anaheim, Columbus and Chicago, come on down. If somebody below the top 10 wins a lottery pull, you're still staying right where you are. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and listen, at the, by the way, those are three really intriguing places that he that Bedard could go. Oh, absolutely. You know, Any between of them would be a lot of fun. Exactly. I mean, you look at the youth movement that's going you on. Slide in him right Anaheim. into Anaheim. Well, in, in, in Anaheim and really in Columbus, too, because can you imagine him playing with a Kent Johnson type or like especially as they grow? 
and, and well, and, and, and obviously the real obvious one with Columbus is you slot him right next to Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah. Like, you know, there's the veteran star and then here's the future superstar. You know what that, I mean? But that Anaheim situation just looks so juicy. Oh, I'm, I he, know. I legitimately think there's a chance. They're like one defenseman away from being a playoff team if they get Connor Bedard. It's it's insane. If John Gibson they, shows up at all are and, they, you, and you're running McTavish. Um, well, McTavish, the, Terry. McTavish, um, Terry, Bedard in some combination. And, Z- and, down Zegris. The, or, and Zegris down the middle. Yeah. Hello? Uh, Zegris, doesn't even, uh, Zegris doesn't even play down the middle. He's no, I'm sorry. It would be Terry. No. Well, but so Terry's the other one going down the middle. Yep. Like, by the way, it, it becomes perfect because I, th- I think at that point, Adam Henrique becomes your three, which is really good. Consider, I mean, he had a really good year, all things considered, for a team that was terrible, and he missed a lot of time toward the end. But and he had and, a really good year. And in a Western Conference that we've talked about being pretty wide open all year. Oh, it's not going to take much for somebody to kind of get back into the racings. And I really th- like, 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 you know what the funny part is? Is okay. I'm not going to like. We're speaking in hypotheticals because we'll wait to know for sure who gets that pick before we really get into it. But let's right. just say, based on the fact that they are the odds-on favorite now to get him, based on the lottery picks, so, you know, in the lottery slots, if Anaheim has Bedard, Zegris, Terry, McTavish, you know, you name it, that group going. I mean, they also signed Frank Vetrano and. Ryan Strom, that's like that's that's all new, so that would stick yep. around too. All that type of stuff, right? All of that's all well and good. The most important player on their roster next year, I think, in terms of growth for that team, is Jamie Drysdale. Oh yeah, especially coming back from the injury he had. But I think that that's the most important player because if he'd had also this full year to develop, boy, would they be ready for what's coming if if they get Bedard? But we don't know that yet. I mean, I, look, I think he's got a lot of raw talent. I think he's going to be a stud on the blue line down, you know, down the road. But you did lose a whole year, and it was a major injury. You've got to come back from that. So we'll see. But I think he's the most critical part of the whole thing. I even like even goaltending. I think they're in okay hands when you look at what you know what Dostal did coming up from you know the minors toward the end of the year. I think they've they're in okay hands there. You know, I understand about Gibson, and Gibson kind of ha- at times has looked like a shell of himself because he's getting up there and, you know, especially up <laughs> yeah. there in goalie mileage. Like, goalie mileage is a lot different than, and right, he's than just skater taken, mileage. He's taken so many shots. <laughs> okay, let's get back to our mediocre orange team. Um, <laughs> so the Philadelphia Flyers um, did limp down the stretch. On our last show, we talked about, a, a you know, a losing streak. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that did continue... Uh, losing to Boston, obviously they did set mm-hmm. the record. We, or, no, I'm sorry, we did last week's show after that. Well, so, right. So we closed. Basically, they closed it out with two they more. Closed wins it out with two happened. wins over Columbus and Chicago. Um, I don't think it ended up changing their lottery math at all. It didn't, and that's how things worked out. And that's quite fun. literally. It's quite literally the first note that I have, which is there was really nothing of significance to play for. They were locked into that seventh best odds in the draft lottery spot. It wasn't going to change whether they won or lost. So. So they you went know, out there and beat some pretty bad teams and at least right, and ended on a little bit of a high note. In the exactly, because getting two wins can present some good vibes going into the offseason. And, and John Tortorella said there's no carryover, and he's right. Like, what you do on April 11th or April 13th isn't going to translate to what happens in September. Especially in a season like this where you're just sure, burning everything but, to the ground. Well, kind of. Close for the most to, part. For the yeah. most part. But but in all seriousness, good for guys like Travis Konechny and Owen Tippett to reach goal milestones. Yep. Konechny gets to 30 for the first time in his career in the last game of the season. Tippett got to 25 the game before. 
Uh, both, you know, so both exceeded that number actually because Konechny ended up with 31. He scored two in the last game. And then Tippett added a second goal in overtime that was the game winner against Columbus and then scored against Chicago too to finish at 27. So they exceed those numbers. Morgan Frost got to 20 or got to 45 points. So, yep. and like these are all good things for the future of these particular players to feel some confidence individually because a, a team with great confidence in each other is only really as good as, as confidence in the, in the, the, that the individual has in themselves. You know, when you have a bunch of players playing at a high level of confidence, and I think that we can point to teams like Boston, you know, or Colorado or Edmonton of late, cause they've all been kind of rolling through and doing, you know, doing a lot coming into the playoffs. It spreads throughout the room when you've got players who have that level of individual confidence. So, you know, the Flyers aren't close to that level where it's everybody in the room and it kind of just is feeding off of each other. But having a few guys who feel that way is a good place to start for sure. Absolutely. And we, we got some good vibes. We got some mediocre vibes. Uh, do we want to start getting into the exit interviews? Uh, got, we can really fun. quick, really quick before we do that. Okay. Cause let's just because this is a quick, oh, little yeah. quick hitter. Yeah. So let's just do this really quick because, you know, first of all, um, I, I didn't get the sense that this was the direction that Justin Braun was going to go until really that final night build up. Like, really? Okay. Well, it, it was just kept really, I think it was just kept under wraps really well. Like, he didn't really make an indication of it. I mean, you always wonder when there's a player who gets to that age, he didn't get moved at the deadline, you know. Didn't get a whole lot of time down the stretch. Right, didn't play a lot. I, I think he knew, and that that's part of it. But you didn't have any, like, in. I didn't have certainly any insight in the fact that just because he was in the lineup and it was coming up on the end of the season, that this was going to be something that he was closing in on. And then really it got to a point where it was like, Hey, he's, he's playing in this final game. His family's in town. You know, we're going to put him on the power play to try to get him his 200th point, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it, then then it all amounted to this is, this is exactly where it's heading. And then basically after the game was over was when he really confirmed it and and said, this is it and all that type of stuff. And, you know, obviously I think that we're not going to really remember in the long haul. We're not going to remember Justin Braun's years as a flyer near as much as the overall body of work he had kind of being part of a core in San Jose that ultimately built to getting to a Stanley cup final. That was certainly obviously that's got to be the high of his career was getting close enough that they were in a Stanley Cup final and two wins away from winning it. Um, But still, you know, I I do have to say at the very least to say about Justin Braun. Great guy. Absolutely like that father figure in the locker room who's definitely like the parent vibe kind of guy. One of the funny stories I have about him is I remember doing a practice and this was this was a few years back. This was probably pre COVID. So uh, but I went and did a practice and. And Claude Drew is taking off like tape around his shin guards and things like that, right? And and just gets his ball of tape and just hurls it across the room towards Justin Braun. And and he just looks up and just goes, Really? And like <laughs> and it was like it was such a parent moment. Like, and it's which is funny because That's they're funny. they're pretty much almost the same age. They're really right. close in age, honestly. And but still it was such a parent moment. It was just really funny and and things like that. But but certainly wish him the best in whatever comes next. I'm not sure if he's got any interest in doing much of anything right now i think he sounds like the type of guy who wants to spend some family time first and foremost he does have he does have young kids so um i don't want to you know i don't want to just rule out the fact that oh he'll be back into a job in hockey anytime soon but 
there's a lot of things he could do. He could end up being the scouting type for and, and go back into San Jose's system if he really wanted to go back there. I mean, he could also kind of be the type of person who down the road assumes that Nick Schultz kind of role that turns into sure. one of these developmental type guys who can work with younger players. I could see that for him. So yeah, and I, we'll I did. Yeah, and I just wanted to. I also congratulate Justin Braun on a great NHL career and. Even if you just look at him as a Flyers asset, right? You traded a second round pick to get him from the San Jose Sharks. And I. It was two, second and third. It was a second and a third. Okay, I'm sorry. And yeah. I did come on this show and I blasted that move. I thought you were overpaying for a bottom pair guy. And to be honest, Justin Pair or Justin Braun really never should have been off the third pair. Um, but he, like you said, he was part of a great core in San Jose. And. If the Flyers had been appropriately building a team, I think he would have been a great five, six, seven kind of guy. On sure, you know, even going into um, that the bubble year, you know, he was a really solid piece that year. Um, the next year, you, you second to, pair, so that's why. Well, right, and then the next year you trade a third round pick for him, so you know you recoup one of the assets you got yeah, exactly. for him. You got four year or four years, five years, something in that neighborhood out of Justin uh, this Braun. would have been his fourth season, I think, with okay. them. Yes, because so because well, because everybody thought it was over. He had signed, well, not signed, but it was when he got traded over well, here traded to begin the, with. Oh, when they traded him over here. Okay, right. No, I'm saying in the first place. So he had a certain amount of time and they traded him in the last year of that contract and then brought him back for the extra year. Of which uh, I got to mention, I think I think this was last year more more so than any other year, but last year in particular. You know, this goes to show you what kind of guy he was in the locker room. He overachieved because you're talking about keeping him on the third pairing. He was playing top pair minutes. Well, I they just, didn't have an, no, I they didn't have anybody else. Team, right. well, no, 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 no. I'm saying he was playing top pairing minutes because they didn't have anybody else because it was supposed to be Ryan Ellis. And when they had nobody else to go to, he's the guy who steps in and goes, uh, sure, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, even if it's over his head in terms of ability. And even if he knows it, he's going to do the best he can with the role because there's nobody else to play it. Absolutely, so and that, that's and that was like. the point of what I was trying to say is that he swam about with you know with his head above the water at all times, whether he should have been or not. We're gonna talk in a second when we get to the exit day interview type stuff about a, a, about a handful of guys who maybe you're down the stretch you're cre- you're questioning the effort. Justin Braun was never a guy you questioned the effort on. Nope. I'll say that. He's he was, a guy I would love to continue to have him in the, in this locker room. If he continued to want to play, I would love to have him in this locker room. I was I genuinely trust, thinking it too. Because I trust that he is a good influence on these young kids and he is providing a good example of how to be a good quality professional. Exactly. And that's what, that's what, you know what, like one of the other favorite memories I have is I think Elaine Vigneault pretty early right after the trade happened when he came over for the first year called him something like an octopus or something like that where like that everything gets lost he just absorbs everything right like it's like he's got all these different limbs out there trying to you know take the puck away and all that stuff like that and it was and it was pretty funny stuff so like but it kind of was true he didn't exactly have the smoothest game or the prettiest game from a defensive standpoint but he got the job done a lot of times and it was you know that's the thing and so you know, good. You know, unfortunately, they didn't get him that 200th point. By the way, they were sure, sure as hell, lobbying for it after uh, after the game because they think he deserved one on the first goal. And they, I, it, I've checked it like every day to they're see if not, they've gone they there, and they're not they adding it. So, oh well. I mean, no. The funny part is, is everybody else cares a lot about that because three different people in the in in the post game said it. 
and he didn't. Funny. He doesn't care. Of course it's not. Like, He's a it's guy. not a big deal. Whatever. Well, and I did also want to mention um, his last game uh, looks like it may also uh, serve as Jonathan Taves' last game. Could. Um, uh, we I, don't know if it's his last NHL is, game, but last game in Chicago, obviously. Right. It certainly seems like it's his last game in Chicago. Although it definitely if, is. Although, but, well, if he plays somewhere else, I'll never rule out a one day retire as a Blackhawk type contract. Well, I get but you your know point, what I mean. But yes. Um, but yeah, the uh, Blackhawks announced in advance of the season finale against the Flyers that it would be Jonathan Taves' last game as a Blackhawk. Uh, that they would not be extend or not be offering him a contract this summer. That they would be allowing him to test free agency, uh, and they wished him the best. And they gave him the send off. And he's been their captain for a very long time. He won three cups there. He, I, say you know you can say anything you want about Jonathan Taves. If he is indeed done, obviously his struggles over the last couple of years have been pretty well documented. Um, uh, especially the especially what kept him off the ice last year in it, particular. Everything just over the yeah. last couple of years, and uh, if it is indeed a career for him, I, you know, obviously we do congratulate him here and wish him the best. Um, if he signs for a division rival, um, never mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you if you tell me that Pittsburgh's not calling him, come on. <laughs> Tell That'd me I'm wrong. Interesting no, I hear you. I, They're loading up. The only thing that I will say about him, and I heard this later on, like it wasn't really said immediately, but the quote that came out that he had about, I never really pictured myself playing anywhere else. I always thought I'd retire, and, and I still feel that way in some degree. So I'll have to think. Like He's really going to be contemplated. I, I think he might be done also. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it's when you have guys like that who take a lot to come back from something that kept them off the ice – Sometimes just getting back for a little bit is enough. And then, yeah. it's, you know what? And My strikes, time is up. He strikes me as the kind of guy who, A, wants to go out on his own terms, which is what yep. he did by playing this last little stretch here. And B, doesn't want to be uh, a liability to his team on the ice. And by continuing to play, obviously, as you get older, you put yourself more at risk for that. Well, and here's, and here's he strikes the, me as the type to walk out strong. Sure. And, well, here's here's all you need to know also about, like, like is his career if his career came comes to an end right here, you know, a thousand sixty seven games, eight hundred eighty three points, three hundred seventy two goals, the last of which came in the last game. Like he was still contributing to the end. That's really the way that you want to go out and he'll you know, to bring the team within one. Like it was a big goal. Yeah, and and it was again, you know what, kind of in a fitting fashion. Like we talked about with you know Joe Pavelski got his one thousandth point on a deflection. Yep. You know, Jonathan Taves is always really Just good at that. And I mean, it was almost storybook in that game where he gets a breakaway in overtime. And oh, I, I thought he had it. I wouldn't have been upset in the slightest. I, I, w- I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have been nope. like, well, I don't get upset about anything anymore. In, with a, that, in, but. A, in a game where neither team needs the points. I'm right. Okay. With a feel good story like that. Come on. I would have been crying. But regard, but regardless, like he's going to be one of those players that despite the fact that he didn't really reach one of those individual milestones, like he wasn't a 500 goal scorer. He wasn't First a thousand point guy. He's still making the hall of fame for the, for the leadership qualities, the Stanley cups, like first ballot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and listen, I understand. Look, I'm I'm mentioning this here and now so we don't gloss over the whole thing. I know all the stuff that was out there about that 2010 team and that's going to be a scar. That That is is a scar. But I still think that we know. Look, we know how things go in the sport to an extent and some things just don't, you know, 
they're not factored in when it comes to piling on accolades. Let's just say it that way. And, so I don't Jonathan, like it's not going to change the fact that he is a first ballot hall. Of Famer. And that was only his what second season in Chicago. Um, he wasn't exactly part of the leadership structure at that point. What in 2010? He was right? the captain of the team. Was he already the captain? Oh yeah. well, then never mind. Yeah, I was that was his, that, that. that was that was his third season, and he was the captain. So okay. yeah, there was a yeah, little, okay, that, never mind. That's yeah, why he, there was a he lot bears of focus some responsibility on him. for that. That's exactly, fair. that's why there was a lot of focus on him because of the fact that it's like, hey, you well, were the captain of the team. Then let kinda... me say it. Then let me say it as such: he had a Hall of Fame playing career. Sure, and there's a lot of people out there that do, and and that have... is how I will draw that line. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move exit on. Interviews. Yeah, we have exit interviews. Um, do we want to start with the spicy one? Which one? Will you tell me what you would like to do, and then we'll go from there. Who do you think I'm talking about? Take a guess. Oh, I already know who you want to talk about first. Oh, it's ridiculous that I haven't played in the last five games. Man, it's it's wild that my coach would sit me for my garbage attitude in the last five games of a meaningless season. <laughs> I want to be a flyer. I grew up a Flyers fan. Oh, I hear you there. I get that. Yeah, I hear you. I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is go back and look at something really quick because if I'm not mistaken, I think he spoke for the longest. I, I believe that of all the available- shocker. Well, hold on. Well, shocker. That kid with a microphone in front of him talked the longest. Wow. Well, okay. Hang on a second. There's two sides to that though, because and I say that because there's guys who come out that you go, we got a lot of questions for that type of player because for whatever reason, like like there's something looking- to talk about. Right. Well, like, as I'm looking through, like, Cam Atkinson didn't play a game this year. He spoke for 15 minutes at the end of the season, though, because he, very specifically, by the way, and we're going to actually get into this part from his thing, got into the specifics of kind of the diagnosis of his injury and trusting people in the medical side of things. And it was very, and it was very detailed and it's very important to process everything that was said because there were parts of it that if you just cut out the one line... And put it as a headline. Things look you'd, wild. Well, it looks terrible. Yep. And it's, you know, but I, but all said and like, but my point is that the video clip of Cam Atkinson is almost 16 minutes long for somebody who never played a game. There was a lot of questions to ask, right? Um, trying to see who else has a good one. I mean, Kevin Hayes spoke for 10, over 10 minutes. Sean Couturier, 11 and a half. Yeah, we'll get to Lawton, Kevin Hayes in a second. Lawton, Scott Lawton. Uh, here's one. the thing. I don't even have a note on Scott Lawton because Scott Lawton was just the leader throughout the year and doesn't, and like really was just talking about next year. Like there wasn't anything like earth shattering from him. Still he's, spoke for 12 and a half minutes. what you expected him to say. Yeah, still spoke for 12 and a half minutes though. So you know what I mean? Like, but then you get guys like Rasmus Ristolainen and it was a five minute end of year thing. Um, Nick Delorier was seven minutes like and, and and there's not a whole lot to go off of out of these. Right. Like, obviously, it's still a little early, but just real quick. Do you think Scott Lawton comes back as the captain? No, because Tortorella does not want to hear those questions. He's not naming a captain next year. Don't ask him. OK. <laughs> there's no captain next year at all. That's that's already. Okay. Well, and that that's up for discussion, too, to an of extent, course. because well, no, 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 because. I don't think we. This is a conversation that was had in the press box a little bit after the after he said after Tortorella said that there wouldn't be a captain. It's a little bit unfair to Lawton to be the one player wearing a letter to begin with this year and, and not have it be a C. Well, no, 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 and treat it as such. Like you're the de facto captain. Everything was lining up for him to take that over, and it was basically like Tortorella dangled it in front of him for half the year, and then 
took it away at the end of the year. Like, nah, I'm not doing this. We don't have, we don't have one. Yeah. Like that, a that a was a little, for him. like that's a tactical thing that, you know, that's that old school tactical side of Tortorella that you're kind of like, dude, really like he's done everything you could possibly want him to do. He's, He's beloved in that room. Every per every player sacrificed every him. limb on his body for this team. Correct. Right. So, and, and, well, and by the way, the other part that's funny about some of these interview clips and how they how they are timed as things go forward, you get toward the tail end of the day when and and I like I didn't go because it was middle of the day on a Friday. I was actually right. on fr- oh, this past Friday anyway. I was also going to my brother in law's bachelor weekend too, or I was only going down for the Friday part, but still. So I'm like on the road for four, like I was on the road for four hours between going to and coming back from Atlantic city. So, you know, and, but, but it's like a whole day. It's like 10 to four is when they did this or something like roughly right. 10 AM to four o'clock in the afternoon. So when you're there for six hours as media and you're going through all these players coming in through the revolving door to sit down and talk, you get to the tail end when it's a bunch of really young players who, you know, are probably going to be back next year. And they're all like five minutes long. Like we're just yeah. gonna ask a handful of questions and get out. Hey, you gonna work out this summer? Yep. You gonna well, get in good shape? Yep. <laughs> well, for a lot of those guys, it's actually it's probably more so questions about, you know, what, what kind of progress do you think you made? What are you, what are you looking to do in the off season? What do you want to improve on next year? Because because there's not questions about their status. Like like Cam York was one of the last ones to go. Do you think there's questions about whether or not Cam York's on no. the team next year? Probably not. Like he'll be back. Is his role going to be massive? I don't know. We'll see what Tortorella thinks when when training camp rolls around. But until then, all you can do is ask what do you, what do you think you did to improve and what are you going to work on, kind of stuff. But let's go to your guy, who uh, you want to talk about first because he yeah. spoke for the he spoke for the longest and and kind of the, as is such typically when Tony D'Angelo gets in front of the microphone to start with I'm not going to talk about it and then ends up kind of talking about it anyway. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, do you want my, so I guess I don't look. We don't need to read through the twenty thousand lines that were in no. the transcript. Like you already said that you already said the headline that I had written down also, um, of the of the whole thing. I think that that sounds like a player with an uncertain future. Uh, I, that sounds like a player who doesn't like the coach he's playing for. Well, and who has the power right now? That's what I'm getting at. Yep. Like I, I'm not sitting here saying that that sounds like a player who is saying I don't know what my future is. That just sounds like a player who we we know the future is uncertain for him. He can say he wants to be back all he wants to, and there's look. Is there a world where he is back next year? Yes, there is because there is always the possibility that you don't move the contract. That's the biggest hurdle. Is there a world? Oh, there's multiple. There's multiple scenarios in this case, so feel free to well, hit me. Well, I'm going a little. I, I'm going a little wild here. Is right, there a ahead. world? Is there a world where he clears waivers and starts next season in Lehigh Valley? No, because I think that that's going to be. I don't think you would even go down that road if you have any doubts. You know what I mean? Like, like you wouldn't even keep him on the roster if you have doubts about him starting the year here. Well, but what if they can't move the contract? You buy him out. Yep. Man. What's the I, record I for buyouts? What's what the most mean, times mean, a player has been bought out? Because this oh, would be I, at least number two for him. Yeah, I hear you. Um, at twenty six or however twenty seven, however old he is. Yeah, I hear you. But that's that's one of the scenarios for sure. And here's the reason why: it's an easy reason. It's a one year contract with with five million dollars on it, right? And, that's and a left. team that doesn't care about the cap and can easily well, eat half. It's not even well. Okay, see. So well, I just going, mean in terms of as a trade asset. 
Well, but that's what I'm saying. So you're mixing the two scenarios because if right. they trade him, they're probably going to have to eat half and find and find a taker. And we already talked about this last week. Like, who's going to take him other than maybe a team like Arizona who needs to hit the cap floor? Right. You know, other than that, like, who is going to have a spot for this guy? So if buyout's the answer, it's you're paying for two more years at that point, but it, it's not half of what the contract was worth. It's $1.67 million. Do you think you're going to be that cap strapped for 1.67 million the no. following year? You know, let's just say if you were going to trade him, you were already going to re- you were already going to retain two and a half million this year. So 1.67 is even better, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it is. But then it's the 1.67 the following year. But realistically, are you going to be playing with that? It's or not like, going to be. You're it's not, not detrimental around that quickly anyway, unless you're winning Connor right. Bedard. So. It's not. It's not detrimental. So in other words, I think that like. And this goes back to last offseason. I didn't get the decision to acquire him. Uh, it, it only looks worse if you're headed towards a divorce after just one season when you signed him for two at the cost it took to get his rights and to sign a contract. It just looks flat out terrible. That looks oh. like a deal where I look, I don't know because Chuck Fletcher sometimes didn't make decisions on his own. He like went to a bunch of people mm-hmm. and was looking for, for sign off. But if Chuck Fletcher did anything with this on his own, it is easily the worst decision that he made as the general manager just because of the fact that it like that was your piece in the off season. That was the big move that you ended up making. And it was just worth way too much. Three draft picks just to get a guy's rights to have him for a year is pathetic. Over under 30% likely that Tony D'Angelo is a flyer to start the 2023 season. Uh, I'll, I'll say definitely say under I'll give it, I'll give it 20. So I'll go 20, 80, like okay. 80 that he goes, 20 that he stays. So now I'm going to go to our next interview here, and I'm going to start with the same question. Okay. Over under, over under 30% likelihood that Kevin Hayes is a Philadelphia Flyer to start next season based on some of his con, uh, comments here. Under. Under. And, now, significantly and under, under? Yes. Okay. 10% over under? I'd even be willing to go 95-5. Wow. So you think it is very, very, very likely, as we sit here right now, that Kevin Hayes here's is what, not a Philadelphia Right. Well, uh, well and, and here's why, okay? Because you're like, I'm that confident that, that, that he won't be on the roster. What I'm not confident of is, A, how it's going to be done, because that's a complicated trade as well. It's, and, and if it's not a trade, if you, you, the buyout it, is not as simple as Tony D'Angelo. Right. This isn't one year left buyout the year and it's a couple years of payment and you're good. Like, right. Like they did the same. Well, right. Um, the, the, the complicated part is whatever you decide to do here, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to, you know, but yep. this is like, this, and this is the hard part for Danny Briere coming in is, the first couple of things you're going to end up probably having to do, it's not going to be pretty at all nope. because you're not going to get a big return for Hayes because everybody seems to know if you that get a return at all. Well, you're going to get something, but it's going to be very, you know, like I hear where you're going with this. It could be very Shane Goss despair move type, like just get it out of here. If you can't like, man, you look, can't, you can't trade a second and a seventh to get rid of it though. Um, the this, only way you well, can't trade draft capital like that. The second more so than the seventh, but like you can't trade a pick that might be the 36th pick. I get, I, and I get where you're coming from. The only reason that I would defend doing something like that is because, so let me kind of give you like, here, here would be my off season plan because let's go, let's go off of this for a second. Cause, cause again, you have two easy ones that are off the books. Braun's retiring and we'll get into James Anarim's like in a second with a comment that he said, cause I think it's kind of right. significant, but 
ultimately he doesn't he's not expecting to return he kind of feels like based on everything that's been said like going younger all that stuff like that's not him so he figures this is they're going to go in a different direction that's probably the case so if that's the case then justin braun who is making and i know you have cat friendly in front of you so you can correct me if i'm wrong on this but it was 1.75 mil for braun and um and then uh jvr was seven uh justin braun was making one million dollars Oh, was it one? Okay, yeah. and then I, I, you know, yeah. I, it, so he was making the one point seven five on his old deal. They traded him to the Rangers, and then he resigned just one year. One. Oh, okay, so that was what yeah. it was. It was one point seven five before. Then that's where. I'm and then that JVR from. is just flat seven. Okay, but that's eight million dollars combined. That that is now off the books, pretty much effective immediately. Um, so so what do you do? No, so like in serious all seriousness, what do you do with the eight million dollars? You can pretty much spend to the cap on a bunch of one year deals like Chicago did for, you know, 1.5 mil, 2 mil, 2.5, do whatever. I don't care. Get a bunch of guys who you think can help fill out your roster for the year and then be prepared to trade them for assets down the road. Like, like anybody what was that the you deal? can play in your top six and then trade for somebody else's fourth line. <laughs> well, what kind of, but like, like what was the one deal? And I, I remember saying this when it happened over last off season, what was the one deal that Chicago made that I said was a great move? Max Domi. Yep, because Max Domi was one year, three mil, and I said, "Guess what's happening at the deadline? He's They're trading flips. him. They're eating half the salary, so it'll be a one point five million dollar acquisition for whoever gets him." And man, he just slides into that Dallas Stars team. So exactly, nicely. but that's so that's nicely. what you should. But that's what you should be spending your money on. Go out and get a bunch of one year deals and sign away. Just go like like seriously. Not, Go tell, crazy. Tell them, tell them to rent a place. Hey, listen, you're leaving in February. Rent a place. The only thing that you like, well, and 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 the thing is, is like, and this is actually really an interesting way to go about it. If you can motivate the player with, this isn't an audition for us. You're signing here for a year because it's tough to find a place. You're to play, auditioning for, cup and teams. you can be auditioning for every team in the league that's going to be in a playoff spot come March. Sign here and then give it your all for a coach who's going to demand your all. And then we'll see what happens at the deadline. Like, that's how you make Danny Briere's job really easy. It's not easy today, but it could no. be really easy at next deadline if you give him some pieces that he can help bring in, obviously. And they're all on one-year deals that are easy to move, you know. And as long as the player stays healthy and gives you his all, you've got something to work with, you know. That's that's the way that I would approach this offseason. And but, quite frankly, I trust John Tortorella. With with that information, if you tell him, hey, John, we're going to get you a bunch of guys who you're going to juice as much as you can, and we're going to trade them in February for the highest assets possible. I see John Tortorella being entirely on board with that and going, all right, cool. I'm going to maximize these guys. I'm going to get us our best assets possible. We're going to talk about Tortorella in a couple minutes probably because oh, there's Kevin some... Hayes will get us there. Well, I hear you. but one Because one of the things that I'm really afraid of with Tortorella is – because there's a lot of questions about he sat upstairs for a lot of these games, things like that. I love I that he did that. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with, like, he's here to coach the team. He's not going to be part of this front office. He's not, like, moving from the bench. He's not going for the president of hockey ops job. <laughs> not formally. But there's a reason, <laughs> no, but there's a reason to believe he's trying to have as much influence as he can on a lot of things. I mean, think, think about it for a second. You've got a general manager in place who, at the moment, is interim, but could be not in a day or two, for all we know. Right. And he's a first-time general manager, so kind of – like there's kind of this Torts knows best kind of vibe right now because Torts has been around longer and is going to use that. Which it, and I understand that, but he's also just the coach. He's not the guy who puts the roster together, and you can't, going forward, following the rebuild, have some giant 
roster of you know muck and grind guys. You just can't do it. Right. Like that's the way it goes. Now, if you would like John Tortorella to give some influence on a bunch of one-year deal guys, be my guest. Get a bunch of you know, go out and get a bunch of Nick Felino types and all that type of stuff, and and have them available for every team in the league come trade deadline time, you know, and see what happens. But not you know, not in the long haul. Not when you're making big like like. I don't want John Tortorella to give his influence on the type of player he wants coming out of the draft. I like, agree. no, don't let him pick the kid who is going to possibly be part of the foundation of the group going forward. That may not be playing for John Tortorella when all is well, said that too. Done. Right. Like exactly. that, that's just the thing about coaches is that general managers can kind of, you know, their job is to look three or four years in the future. Coaches jobs are to look, look at, at the next season. Right. And, Anything beyond that is doing a disservice to that coach. Right. And you can't expect a coach to look at a roster critically for what it needs long term because his responsibility is what does it need now? Right. So, all right. Um, so let's go to the Kevin Hayes conversation because that's yeah. the next really big one in here. And again, this sounds like a player who's gone in the offseason. It certainly sounds like a guy who thinks he's gone. I mean, the, the, the line about their decisions have probably already been made. It is very telling, like, you know, and he and you brought up before we started the show, you brought up about all the people he thanked and talked yep. about and and the memories he's got from playing here and how he didn't you know, he talked about how he didn't know much about Philly as a city. And, you know, even for being an East Coast guy, he didn't really know much about it. And now you well, would have like, to leave Boston and learn what other cities. Well, are I like. get that. Well, and well, no, I, I guess his point was being from Boston, having played in New York. It was like we're on the East. Like he's been on the East Coast a lot. Kevin um, Hayes, Washington Capital, incoming. Um, that was that's an interesting one. I didn't think about that, but well, I well, just figure he's working his way down ninety five. Yeah, could be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that it was interesting to me that he thanked Chuck Fletcher, or he he mentioned he loved Chuck Fletcher, he loved Elaine Vino, he he thinks Sandy Briere is great, and there's a name he just very conveniently left out, and that would be the guy who is currently his head coach. Sure. And well, and, and it's there's no secret why. I mean, the, the other part of this conversation that was very telling was about how he talked about, it, you know, it was a weird year. It didn't feel like a year where he had a career year, which he came very close to matching his career high in points. He was one point shy of that. He was he, an was, he was an all star for the first time in his career. And it doesn't feel fulfilling kind of at the end of it, because right. once he came back from the all star break, I mean, let's put this way. Let's not. Well, no, he let's, started golfing. Well, let's not forget that the day that he was named to the All-Star game, he was also a healthy scratch. Like, that in and of itself is probably where the Tortorella aspect of this comes in. Oh, that's, that's really where it starts. But the rest of it, it you know, he came back from that, All-Star, yeah, from that All-Star game. And I'm trying to remember, I believe I wrote it down in my article, but I want to make sure I get it right. It was the final 31 games, and he had nine points. Yeah, he after- firmly stopped caring. Pretty much. He I mean, stopped was, skating the second he came back from Tampa. It was pretty rough stuff. And, you know, that's, you know, look, I, I'm not trying to damp like, look, is he a good guy? Absolutely. Is he a fun sure. guy to be around when things are going well? Absolutely. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, look, we, we knew this coming in. This was the whole point of this season. It was weeding out guys who are going to be here for the long haul versus guys who are not. And, I don't think it's I don't think it's because Kevin Hayes doesn't have the desire to be here for the long haul. It's just that once the writing was on the wall between 
age and, you know, his, I guess his playing ability, his ability to fit into a John Tortorella lineup. I think it all added up and he made the deduction himself. Like it's not adding up in a good way. You know, what's it all worth then? Like, I mean, like you gotta realize something too. The guy's making about it, you know, is making the most money he's ever made in his career He's being told from around the league to an extent, like you're an all-star level player. He's the highest he, paid player on the team outside he, of Sean Couturier, and, who no, didn't show up this year. Well, I, well yeah. we'll get to him too. I, but, sure. Um, but he, you know, and and t- like to his point, because of the way that the coach feels, he went from playing 20 minutes a night, 21 minutes a night to nine to 10. And there's a big difference when you go from being kind of relied upon. And, and certainly, like, you can't deny, why does he bring up A.V.? Because when, when A.V. was coaching, he was relied upon. Because Ali and Vino played him into the ground. <laughs> um, well, that first year, for sure. Oof. Uh, yeah, and obviously no player is ever going to be happy about a reduction in ice time. Uh, but right, the thing for me was we talked about Justin Braun. And how mm-hmm. whenever whenever he was in the lineup, he was playing his absolute hardest and he was saying all the right things and he was still being a professional and this, that, the other. And then you compare it across the aisle with Kevin Hayes and I understand being a veteran player and being frustrated because the team is bad and, you know, you don't think the coach likes you all that much and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Man, I saw some really pathetic effort out of Kevin Hayes in the second half. It's not – he didn't just take a night off here or there or mm-hmm. a shift off here or there. He took weeks off. Right. Showed up for one game and then took three more weeks off. And I don't know what his game plan is because you're not – auditioning well for a prospective trade team. You're not doing anything to prove to your coach that you do deserve to be on the ice more. I just don't get it. I mean, look, the only thing I'll say that's on the more of the positive side of this is, you know, people around the league know kind of where mind space is at. There's a lot of stuff that just, you know, just because I go down to a bunch of games, watch what I watch, and then people are trying to get answers and we don't get very far. Like, like how many times did Tortorella try to tell you, stop trying to make up some story about how we hate each other. I don't hate him at all. He does like, he, he knows where I stand, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they might not hate each other. They, I, they, I think they disagree professionally at a very, very, well, minimum. I'm going to tell you right now, there was a bunch of, cause it wasn't just Hayes has said this before. I don't think he said it specifically on exit interview day, but he had said it earlier in the year and D'Angelo said it. Ivan Provorov has said it like, and this was a common theme in terms of the language. He's the coach. I'm the player. Well, which means, which means that kind of like, it's like, you don't have a choice. He's the coach. And if he doesn't feel like I deserve to be playing, he can make that call. And obviously, you know, this is something we'll talk about more once the day comes. And, you know, Kevin Hayes is no longer a member of this roster. And it, it appears as though that day might come this summer. But I talked about it when John Tortorella got hired. I, I, came on here I remember talking on the show about the fact that Kevin Hayes is the center of that locker room and you're gonna have Kevin Hayes versus John Tortorella and the winner of that conflict is going to say a lot about the direction the team is heading in and as we sit here today you know April 16th 2023 I'm not declaring victory for John Tortorella in that battle but it's sure looking good 
and there is look one thing I did hear a little bit or or have, have like kind of it's kind of a rumbling so to speak, but it's you know look I'm not gonna sit here and say there's a hundred percent merit to it, but because I'm not inside of Kevin Hayes' head here completely with this, but there's there's there was reason to believe that you know, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse with this comment, but it is out there that everything in the offseason last year pointed to Johnny Gaudreau being a flyer. And Hayes obviously really wanted that. Right. And when it didn't happen, that kind of almost was the starting point of all of this. That that makes a lot of sense. That like, well, because think about it. He brings up one of the what, what was one of his best he because he talked about some of the best memories he had. He brought up and never, by the way, never mentioned anything for himself. Brought up Claude Giroux's thousandth game, brought up you know, playing with Keith Yandel at the en- end of his career, no less. Which you know, okay, that's obviously their buddies, whole, yeah. There was, well, yeah, but this is where I'm going with this. that. Was personal, that, it, that one was for him, <laughs> and, and it is personal, but that's, that's exactly where I'm going with it. Is he gets to play with Yandel, he has a buddy around. They bring in, you know, like just go down the list of people that they continued to bring in, like even down to Patrick Brown, Patrick Brown. And by, by the way, who also got traded at the deadline this year, every everybody I mentioned as part of the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee. Well, right. Well, yeah. uh, but but think. But now, OK, so look what happens. Yandel retired. Patrick Brown got traded. Cam Atkinson couldn't play this year. Wasn't around. So he's not around as much. So all of a sudden. You know, Kevin Hayes, who also thought that in addition to all three of those guys, maybe not Yandel, because Yandel was retiring at the end of last year and he knew that, but like but what? go with go with the others. Go with Patrick Brown, go with Atkinson, and then throw Gaudreau into the mix. And it's like this is gonna be this whole band of like whatever. And basically when Gaudreau didn't happen and Atkinson can't play and like it just snowballed into this and thing where he was on an island. Especially for a guy like Kevin Hayes, who is such a big personality. And I don't know him personally well enough. He certainly seems like an extroverted person. He's he's with his people all the time. He's this, that. He's way more sheltered to the media. Like I remember the first time we ever like that I got in front of him for like an interview type thing. I thought he was one of the most boring people I've ever interviewed because he wouldn't say much. Right. But but they put those cameras on him for like more of the behind the scenes stuff, like just banter in the locker room. And he's the funniest guy he's, in the room. Right. So and he's got a great that. personality. Right. Well, right. And we've we've known that he is the I don't want to say the heart of the room from a hockey perspective, but the heart of the room from a culture perspective. Um, it seemed it has seemed for a long time, basically since the minute he got here. Right. That. Kevin Hayes is the biggest presence in that locker room. Well, and that only got amplified going into last season when yep. everything with his brother and all that type of stuff, like yep. it just gets amplified. And I, you know, I think that part, like, again, I think part of the equation with this whole thing is when people are leaving or are not able to be around as much for one reason or another, like, like I, I like, let's just like Yandel retires. I bet he didn't see Keith Yandel that often this year. Probably like not. They, like they were living with each other a year ago. Now we, it's not an everyday thing. You know, Cam Atkinson's not around the team every single day because he's he's got to go to doctors and he's trying to rehab and he's trying to do everything. Like he's not on road he's trips. Not on road trips, right? You know, stuff like that. And you know, it's stuff like that. And I, I think it even goes back to the year before Claude Giroux gets straight. Like, I think he even like establishes a friendship with Giroux, but like it's the end of the line for Giroux. So it's like, there's a lot of changes and and think about moving forward. What's going to happen too? like moving forward. Even if Hayes couldn't go anywhere, you got other guys who are Van Riemsdyk and Braun and, you know, guys like that who have been around the whole time he's been here. Yeah. You know, that makes a difference. And, and 
Kevin Hayes is a guy that we've seen his play be emotion-driven at times. We've seen him play well when he needs to, and we've seen him play poorly when he's not at his happiest. And that really came to a head here towards the end of the season, and obviously it seems like John Tortorella's had enough of it. Um, But okay, Uh, I think that... Was there anything else you wanted to mention from uh, from exit interviews? I think we kind of covered the two big ones. Um, I know you mentioned Sean Couturier. He talked about his injury a little bit. Yeah, well, so both Couturier and Atkinson, um, like, first of all, they're obviously not going anywhere going into next year. Their status is going to be what's questionable. Sean Couturier's new contract C- begins. Well, Couturier was, at the very least, Couturier was medically cleared to play at the end of the season. The coaching okay. staff and management opted to sit him out, which probably the probably the right call. We've exactly. talked about that on the show. Um, Atkinson said he could be cleared as soon as next week um, yep. and then gets the offseason, get back in shape. You know, their health can be important to this process. I don't think that age wise they're going to make a huge difference in a rebuild, but you're looking for good vets to be around young players. I, I think agree. that they're I think that's two of the best that you can you know, get from in house for sure. I mean, that's a, that's a great way to look at it, you know. That's really, I mean, that's pretty much all I have in terms of those two. I mean, Atkinson did talk about the medical staff a lot, kind of talked about going to people he could trust, which is a damning quote when you look at that. But, but yeah. you had to read, but no, but you had to read the whole concept of it because on the surface, saying that means I don't trust anybody in the organization, period. What he was really talking about was from last year to this year where they really overhauled it, he didn't feel as comfortable with it. And then now it's, I do have complete trust in the current group. Well, but that, there, but it, but it took some significant changes to get there. So well, right, and that is something that we kind of speculated on for a while that maybe there were some issues in the medical staff. So it is good seeing that at least Cam Atkinson. Obviously, we're talking about one player's perspective here, but it is it is a good thing that Cam Atkinson feels comfortable in the hands he's in. So exactly. Um. So you got them. Uh, James Interim's like had an interesting quote that was that said he was disappointed he didn't have the opportunity to join a contender, to which was kind of. Else. Yep. Which is kind of a little like he was certainly, I guess what it sounds like is he certainly expected to be on the move then and it didn't happen. I think it was the most honest we've heard out of James Van Riemsdyk because I I I think a lot of the season it's, well, I'm here until I'm not, you know, I'm here until I'm not. Well, and we talked about him last week kind of because from the standpoint of like the guy was still fighting people. He's been a great vet. Like in games that are meaningless to him other than he's trying to play for a spot next year somewhere, not here, but somewhere. So he, he's been serving kind of that Justin Braun role we were talking about, but he was a guy who was in the lineup every night. So just even more, just good, solid veteran. Work sure, and and that and that just furthers that he deserves the opportunity to play for a team that's in a position to win. He's got some freedom now to sign where he wants to and join a team that he feels like has a shot. But it just goes to show you how badly the trade deadline went. By the way, there's a lot, and I mean, I mean, a lot of speculation that the team that may interest him the most is Minnesota, because. He's well, he's lived out that way for a little while. And I think that that's that sounds like a good fit. It sounds like it would work for him. I'm not sure what Minnesota's cap situation is going to be over the next couple of years. because I know they're in a real funky spot. Um, He also shouldn't be based on the type of season he had should not be fetching a big uh, cap. Well, right. And and he seems like a pretty um, responsible guy i wouldn't be surprised if he was doing okay financially well that's not and i don't even think that part matters i think that what really matters is he's also seen he also seems like a guy who just has a good grasp on where he is in his career and if he's looking to win somewhere if if a team like minnesota comes along and says hey listen we can do two years for two mil per he'll go sure 
You know, let's Man. let's do this. You know, um, so Kaprizov, had, Zuccarello, Van Riemsdyk on the power play. I know. Um, anyway, so the last one I had player wise was Ivan Provorov, who this wasn't really anything earth shattering. There was it was you know because. I even have in my notes here, maybe there's extra reading into it that's pointless at the, like for this, or maybe it is, you know, something that has some meaning. He he talked about that you don't want to hear about a team going into a rebuild. He mentioned he kind of came into one, you know, which is true. He kind of when he was picked up, when he was drafted, it was kind of a rebuilding situation then. But he but he said, you know, in conversations with Danny Briere, they're gonna do it right and all that stuff like that. And a lot of people read into the they're not weird thing, you know. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's nothing. So I'm not convinced he's gone, but I'm not saying he's off the table either. I have sensed a growing frustration with the team's struggles when it comes to Ivan Provorov over the last couple of oh, years. Oh, I think so, too. And I, th- I think I think it's because somewhere deep down, he knows he can play. Sure. You know, and I don't like my point is this, and this is kind of going to tie up to what happens because we've already talked about, you know, Braun and JVR and we talked about Hayes and we talked about D'Angelo um, now we kind of get into some of the gray area players. The, the guys were like, listen, everything is on the table in some way, shape, Travis or form. Travis Konechny. Well, and uh, I have four names written down for everything's on the well, table. Let, because... let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Joel Faraby. No, I actually don't have Faraby written down. Okay. Okay. But, you but I'll, do explain have... that. I'll explain that one, though. Okay. In a second. But you do have um, Travis Konechny. Yep. Okay. Travis Sanheim. Uh, is Ivan Provorov one of the names? Yes, or? Ivan Provorov okay, counts okay. as one of them, so it's one and more. And then the last one, if it's not Joel Faraby, and I'm not going to cheat. I do still have Cap Friendly up, but I'm not going to cheat and look at it. I'm going to try to guess. Um, it's actually It shouldn't be much of a is surprise. Is it Carter Hart? Exactly. Okay. Because my point of, of all of them is... I, I was just scanning the skaters in my head, and I hadn't gotten to the goal. No, I know. <laughs> and, well, and, and the reason I say is because I look at all four of them, and I go, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them were to stay or go. Like... They're like sometimes in some cases they're 50 50 in some cases they're even more than 50 in terms of staying like I'd be a little surprised if Carter Hart's still here. You'd be surprised if he's still here. You really think they're moving him. I think Danny Briere knows exactly how good he is. And that's the problem. Like if like it's something we've talked about on this show, kind of ad nauseum, and we're not going to go super deep into it. But no, because we've got to get he's too good. He's going to steal you too many games, and he's going to get you too many points, and it's going to be difficult to be a bottom three team, which is what you really need to get the impact players needed to be an elite team. It's pretty hard to be a bottom three team when you got a guy who can steal six, seven, eight games a season just by himself. And I get where you're coming from. I I really do. As far as I'm concerned, like, and you're like a lot of other people out there when you say things like that, because what you're looking for is win the lottery and get the guy who is is right there. Well, and not even, like, beyond that. And the fact that you still have Sandstrom and Urson in your development system and they're sure. almost ready to go, but they're not established veterans like Carter Hart is. Sandstrom is, you know, semi-established as a backup at this point. Urson got right. some games this year. I think if that's your tandem, that's a good tandem for a rebuilding team. Carter Hart is an excellent goalie who is probably too good. Well, based on one thing you just said, I'll give you a, you know, I'll give you a statement that I think is going to ride out through the offseason and be and be absolutely confirmed when next season starts. I think one way or the other, whether Carter Hart is part of this or not, 
I think Sam Harrison is part of the roster out of training camp next Absolutely year. One, agree. one way or the other. Like I'm saying he's either the backup to, or the one B to Carter Hart, or he's taking over because they like him better than Sandstrom at, at this point. Yeah. Right. But I think that uh, one way or the other, I think he's at, he's jumped so far in terms of his growth that he's part of the picture next year, one way or the other. Now I, in getting to heart kind of in that sense, my, see my answer to that is it like, makes too much sense. Uh, look, I hear you. I hear where you're coming from with it. I still think that a they would have to make sure they're getting that that level value that you're talking. about. Oh, for about. sure, absolutely. And if and if they don't, they're keeping him. You know, Fair. and that's and, and and to be honest, that's where I struggle with this. Is I don't think they're going to get the offer that everybody thinks they're going to get for him, and that's why I don't think he's going. Because, well, because and I think you know I hate to say it this way, but I think there's two reasons why he doesn't get that offer. One, it's it's as much as he's stolen some games, it's hard to evaluate how he can play against the best teams when they look the way that they do against the best teams. Like, I'm sorry, every time he played Boston, they got shelled. If Ilya Samsonov looks bad in the first round against the Toronto or the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa, Toronto's going to be looking for a goalie. I don't know. The only and by the way, the only other reason I'm not sure about it has to do with Matt he, Murray might be a flyer uh, by the end got, of the summer. Oh, that would be just glorious. Um, <laughs> he uh, um, the only other thing was because he got asked a question at his exit day thing. I didn't plan to talk about much with him, but he did get asked about the Hockey Canada stuff and. It seems like the way that he answered the question was, I wish I could tell you more, but I can't at this time. Like, it just is what it is. But it keeps sounding more and more like, like here, here's what we don't know. We, what we don't know is how much he knew. It doesn't sound like he's maybe one of the players involved, but did he know something? What and did the goalie know and when did he know it? <laughs> well, I hear you. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like... It, but I think that that makes it hard to move him right now. That it's still hanging over their heads. That they can't go to that. Let's put it Alex Formanton didn't sign a contract this year. He played and, in and, Europe. Well, and like let's say this way: Hockey Canada to prepare for World Championships. You know, Doug Armstrong was in town for a week, yep. scouting, and there was really only one player for the Flyers he could have been scouting during that whole week he was in Philly for for World Championships for Hockey Canada, and it was Carter Hart. And by the end of the week, he had spent the week there, and they said, yeah, guess what? While this is going on, no no player involved from that team is going to be able to join the any international teams. So he wasted a week watching Carter Hart and can't add him. And I think as long as that kind of thing still hangs over the heads of every player who's involved with it one way or another, then I don't think he's able to be moved as easily. But, I agree. But we'll see. I don't know. All right. Um, and I think that is about as good a place as any to put a pin on the Flyers for now. Obviously, we... Yeah. Kind of have all off season to talk about where this team is going, what trades are getting made, what trades aren't getting made, this, that, the other. You know, it starts tomorrow, Kevin. Can we playoffs. can we switch topics and have some fun here? Sure. We have we have the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the single best uh, tournament in all of sports. Mar- March Madness is a close second, uh, <laughs> but I'll take the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's seven round or four rounds of up to seven games a piece of just absolute chaos. It takes two months. Nobody comes out healthy. We've had guys play with broken limbs, punctured lungs, all of the above because it's the cup. Yes. How far are we taking this thing here? Cause I, I have first round predictions, but I went, 
we we filled out brackets. So yeah. so we did fill out brackets, and I did want to talk about that as we transition over. Uh, we have a bracket challenge up on nhl.com slash bracket. Uh, we're gonna have that link in our descriptions. You can check that out. Join in. We're just doing it for fun. Yeah, we just we tweeted it out before we recorded the show tonight too. So we yeah. already tweeted it out. We'll put it out again as part of. Um, yeah, put your bracket up against ours. See how it goes. Um, so I think what we should do on this show is we should do our first round matchups, obviously, because that's what we have upcoming. And mm-hmm. then I think we should give our Stanley cup, uh, you want to just go that far and just the, go the finals, finals. Yeah, just that's the finals. Mean, like, well, that's what I mean. Like you want to pick in who- the, f- yep. Who's in the finals and then who wins the thing. All right. That's fair. I, so like, I, I have everything written down, but like, you know how this goes when we get to the second round, I'm going to rewrite based on what's in and there. And that's, those. that's why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. But, but um, certainly we got a whole first round to go through. So do you want to just go down in order and we'll just, uh, yeah, let's run start through. So we'll start, let's start with the Eastern conference. We'll go here first. Absolutely. We'll go Bruins and Panthers. So that's, um, the, uh, that is the number one seed overall, number one seed out of the Atlantic against the second wild card. So where do we want to, where do we want to begin with this one? Do the Panthers win one game or zero games? I'm giving them one because I don't. Yeah, I am going to give them one. Only you know, it's so hard to predict sweeps in hockey. It's so difficult. It's very hard to, and and you know what? They had to play pretty lights out toward the end to get into the playoffs. So that's a reason why I think like and and to be fair, Florida did beat Boston once this season already, and you know we know already Boston didn't lose a whole lot of games. I mean, it's no. a team that won 65 out of 82. So you do the math, that's 17 total losses, and one of them apparently comes to the Florida Panthers at some point over the year, right? Yeah, so but like, they, did, they did also lose to Chicago at one point. Like, they, they, lost spread to Ottawa early, they lost to Ottawa early in the early in the year, and nobody yeah. knew they were going to be that good. It was the fourth game of the season. Exactly. It um, was a three-game winning streak and a loss. It's like, oh, okay, that happens. Sure, so whatever. I, I do have Boston in four, uh, and the big reason for that is the goaltending situation in Florida. Uh, there's a real chance that Alex Lyon is a major goalie, goalie for the Panthers in this series, and I know he's played well recently, but it's a whole different animal once the playoffs sure. start. And I don't know. I love Alex Lyon. If you've been listening to the show for a while, obviously you know. I love me some Alex Lyon. <laughs> I don't know if I love him against the, you know, best regular season of all time, Boston Bruins humming on all cylinders, rolling into the playoffs. Yeah. If they still one, I won't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I won't be surprised if it goes five. I will be surprised if it goes to six or any longer than that. Um, but I think, I think the Bruins in four here. And I got him in five. And basically the reason why I like I'm giving Florida a game because I think that there's certainly an element to them that will be, you know, there's going to be a night where Alexander Barkov and Matt Kachuk just take over for a night and do what they have to do. Like there's going to be a night where the the star players step up and find a way to get it done. Oh, yeah. Can they do it the whole series? I doubt that. I mean, look, I am also keeping in the back of my mind that this that this could be a win that comes early in the series just That's to play, valid. just you know, just to play with everybody's minds because obviously I think what everybody's thinking of when they look at this series is Tampa Columbus from a few years back and and go, well, Tampa had the win, you know, tied the win record. They were the best team in the league by a mile, and they didn't win a playoff game that year. If Sergey Bobrovsky comes into this series, <laughs> oh, I hear you, but. Uh- but I, I just don't I just don't get like Boston's built differently. And I'm not trying to like there, I think there was an element where like like, you know what? It, you do want to know what it honestly is, too. Like and, and this, is, this is nothing against Tampa because Tampa by that point had had plenty of playoff experience and they had guys who were cornerstone players. Stamkos had been a captain for long enough. I get all of that. I, 
just tell me where a Patrice Bergeron-led team is going to let this happen. Right. Tell me where that exists because I don't see it. So um, I, I did also want to mention, by the way, Matthew Kutuk versus Brad Marchand. Oh, it's, yeah, it's coming. Come on. Somebody's getting licked. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see about that, but <laughs> but nonetheless. Um, All right, let's move on to our next series. Okay, uh, but that it'll be a fun series yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun series. They're all going to be fun series. Well, yes. But um, Next, we have Toronto and Tampa. Now, uh, we started this last week a little bit because we we've did. known this for a while. We've known I mean, that this was the matchup for a while. We have literally mathematically known this matchup for about two weeks. Yep. We have essentially known this matchup since January, early now, January. It was kind of, yeah. Now, in, one of the interesting things, by the way, was that these two teams played each other over the past Couple week. Days ago. And yep. it was very, you know, very much a precursor to the series to come. There's already a little bit of blood boiling, which is always a good thing going into a playoff Luke Shen series. fought a former teammate in Patrick Maroon. <laughs> Um, but so, okay. So last week you tried to tell me, you took the easy way out and told me the blue team was going to win. So who do you really have winning? Oh boy. Toronto in seven. Oh, he's going Toronto in seven. So here's the thing. These two teams played last year. They went seven games. It was a close series. Mm -hmm. Tampa edged it out. Yep. I think... Toronto is better than they were last year. I think Tampa Bay has slipped a little bit from where they were last year. I think that is enough. Now, I think their their uh, resumes and their uh, history will not allow Tampa to go quietly. I don't think it'll be a short series by any stretch. Sure. Uh, but I do think Toronto finally you know, exercises the demons and wins the first round series. But it's going to take all seven games and it's going to take a game seven. Like it's going to be it's going to be amazing. So here's what I'll say, because I already gave part of this prediction last week. Also, I have seven games. It's going to be seven. I felt that from the beginning. And I and I looked at this and I looked and I looked and I'm as much as I keep thinking like, did you just flip a coin? No, but as much as I want to keep thinking that maybe something different happens, I can't do it. So I'm picking Tampa. Wow. Is, is, it, is it Andre Vasilevsky? Is it the goaltending? Like, what do you think? I, it's the ability to flip the switch when the time comes. Just the, it, the ability to get it done? Th- that they just seem to have that natural ability. I mean, listen, maybe I'm spoiling something by moving, jumping a couple steps ahead here, but whoever wins the series isn't going any further than that. Okay. You know, we'll, like, we'll, because, we'll because I, well, no, but at the very least, because I think a, it's going to take a lot out of either team. Like whoever moves on is going to have to put a lot of effort into winning this series. I have them beating Boston. Oh God. But either way, um, like, 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 like here's where I'm, here's where you're right with Tampa. There's a lot of mileage. So yep. when they you think of, of when, when you think of Vasilevsky, when you think of Hedman, when you think of Sergachev, when you think of all of those guys, and then you get to the forward group as well, there's a ton of mileage on that team. So and that's why an extra I, like, like 90 games over the last three or four seasons. Yeah. And, but, and that's, that's why I think that like, that's why I think it doesn't matter whoever ends up winning the thing. Like, especially if it's, if I'm right on this and it is Tampa, 
then I don't think they stand a chance against Boston no. in the next round because no, they're going to pour so much into this series. I mean, I'm not the sitting car here trying has to, to run out of gas eventually. Now, like for what it's worth, by the way, I'm not sitting here saying that that means Boston would just sweep them in the next round, but I'm also not, I, I, I it was an easy pick to go from there. Like that's fair. I just, I just can't keep looking like, you know, and I, we've done enough of these playoff shows for me to say, that I'm saying this is a repeat statement, but you know this. If I say seven, I can see it going either way. Absolutely. Yep. So I'm not saying I wouldn't be surprised if it's Toronto, but, it, but, and I hate to say it this way, but it's the only way I can say it. It's still Toronto for me. Yeah, and until they enough. change my mind, I just don't know. So I'm still and sticking with Tampa. I don't disagree with you. It is hard to bet against Tampa. And quite frankly, it's hard to bet for Toronto, just given the history. So sure. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series regardless. That's um, going to be one of the most fun in the first round for sure. Moving on to a series that I think might be the most fun in the first round. This is interesting. The Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. Now, the Islanders get in with the epic collapse of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we're just, we're we're loving over here, you would think. Um, but the, <laughs> the Islanders get in and run, run up against the Carolina Hurricanes, who, man, losing Andrei Svechnikov obviously does hurt them, but still just such a deep team. Mm-hmm. Who do you have here? How long do you have it going? I certainly don't see it being a short series. I'll tell you that for free. I love how you spun that to me, so you didn't have to go first this time. I mean, I um, have my answer. My bracket's already filled out. Those oh, are the, I know. Those are the ones I'm sticking. I know, with. and then you gave your answer first for the last two, so I'll yeah. go first this time. That's fair. Um, I will precursor this by saying, if you know, at least out of the East, you know. Because I don't like like it's like you it's a, it's like doing Tampa Toronto or or whatever like a two three is not really much of an upset to me especially for how close these two threes were to an extent sure. or, or or what they went through anyway like is anybody really going to be surprised if it's Tampa over Toronto if it's the Rangers over New Jersey like that's not an upset like an upset is a wild card stunning one of the top you know one of the division winners this is the most likely one that I can find out of I think maybe even out of the entire grouping like of all of them collectively. Um, in terms of like, I think that's fair. that this is the one that I could see going the other way. I do still have Carolina winning the series. I have Carolina in six. Um, but it would not surprise me if, if the Islanders not only made it even more of a series than that, but did so early because they're kind of also riding a, a wave. I do think there's an element where another element where if they can win a game in Carolina, going home is going to be something special for them. Oh, because it's a new building. It's, you know, they're ready for it kind of stuff. Like, I think that that could be really interesting stuff. And and like you already mentioned Svechnikov for Carolina and how he's not going to be available. What happens if Barzil comes back? Sounds like he is from from what I'm seeing. It sounds like he is. So that, by the way, that's what made it more impressive to me is them getting in like without Matthew Barzil. Well, not just without, but it's like, you know, I've, I've often thought that Brock Nelson was an underrated player to begin with. He may not be after this year because he practically was the, he was the guy who practically carried them. He was stellar. Like he was outstanding. And that's, that's sometimes the difference. Now, now get a player who's playing like that with the confidence that he is. They added Bo Horvat at the, at the deadline ish, like time frame. They get Barzil back. They, you know, they've got everything kind of going for him. Sorokin's been brilliant. Like, 
they do have a lot going for them. That's why this is going to be an interesting series. I will say this. If the Islanders do find a way to sneak a slip by Carolina, I could see them ma- doing some serious damage, making a run, winning another round, like really being an impact. Um, that being said, I do think Carolina is just a little bit too deep. They have a little bit too much talent, uh, even without Svechnikov. Uh, mm-hmm. I have the Carolina Hurricanes in seven. Okay. I can, and you know what? One of the things I can appreciate is you going as far as to say seven because I do. There, there's a world where I see that. I happening thought about thousand percent. Like, I just really like Carolina, and I and I still like you because you know what it is. They can lose Svechnikov all they want to, and I do look. I do think that that comes into play later in the playoffs, but in the first round. Like, I'm sorry, that team just, it's Rod Brindamore is the coach of that team. Like, I, am I really supposed to pick against him in the first round? Fair enough. But, all right, and that leaves us one more matchup in the East, uh, and that is the Battle of the Turnpike. We got the Devils and the Rangers. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. If if this series lasts less than six games, I will be severely disappointed. Um, if we don't have a melee at some point, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, I have a feeling I'm not going to be disappointed. No, I think you're going to have a good time watching this series. Um, the only part, the only disappointing part of this series from our standpoint is, is two divisional rivals of the Flyers from, you know, from, oh yeah, for sure. Long term. And it's like, you know, whoever I'm, whoever comes out of this, I am rooting against them moving forward. Sure. I I have Um, Carolina moving through. We both do. I don't hate Carolina on the same level that we hate the Rangers. We hate the Devils. We hate, obviously, the Penguins, the Islanders. And you love Rod Brindamore, too. So that's I helps. love Rod the Bod. Come on now. <laughs> um, but this is – okay, so th- there's so many layers to this particular series that make it interesting. Uh, number one being kind of a newfound layer for the New Jersey Devils, and that's getting the second Hughes brother. Yeah. You know, Luke Hughes has come in and made an immediate I impact. think he's playing in the series. I think he'll play at some point. I don't know if it's game one, but he'll get in. He'll get. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. That's the thing. Like that room. No, that room with both of them in it was vibing when he scores his first goal to win a game in overtime. I think this series comes down to a player getting hot, catching fire, taking over the series. I it it doesn't. It I don't want to say it doesn't matter who it is, but both teams. Have guys who have can a take, take over the game guy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to hit you with a little bit of an unusual one, and it's going to lead me to my pick. Okay. I think the biggest, most impactful player in this series is going to be Jacob Truba, and I have the New York Rangers in seven. Wow. Okay. That was the funny thing is, is I, I had a feeling you were going to pick a Ranger. I just, that was the one of the last ones I would have expected, but I'll take your, you know, I'll go with you Name on that. a single New Jersey devil who can survive a Jacob Truba hit. I mean, I, you got a point. And um, he hits like a Mack truck. He does hit like a Mack truck. And J- Jack Hughes is small. And Luke Hughes is small. And Nico Hischier is small. small. Like, if any one of those get buckled in the first couple of games, that can shift a series, especially for a Devils team that does not so have you, a ton of playoff experience. So you picked the Rangers in seven. Yep. I picked the Rangers in six. Okay. And I'll tell you, I'll go into my reasoning a little bit here. So number one, number one on my list for me is something you just said, which is the experience factor. I think that the Rangers experience factor here is going to ultimately prevail. Um, The other thing for me that I'll add in is 
you brought up the take over the game kind of guys, and then you went to Jacob Truba, which is certainly an interesting pick for that type of stuff. I get that. And I, Simply and not, for the physical element. Oh, and I get that. Yeah. Here's where I'm going to take it from because I've watched, you know, or seen enough when I'm looking at the Devils box scores, and I see Heisher have a game, or I'll see Jack Hughes have a game, and Luke Hughes has looked good at the start, and you know, and maybe you know, it could be, it could also be Dougie Hamilton who takes over a game in that respect. It could be, you know, it could be Jesper Bratt who takes over a game that way, right? Like all of these types of players have done something to kind of have that take over the game ability in some way. You know, who I don't see taking over a game sometimes for New Jersey, they're lower, you know, the bottom six. And I just can't help but think that at least one of these games, if not more, are going to be impacted by that kid line that the Rangers have. That Philip Heedle, Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere. I think that that could be the big X factor, that they've got guys like that who, who, by the way, were doing it last playoff and damn near had the Tampa Bay Lightning on the ropes. And something that you cannot uh, overlook. We got Showtime on Broadway in the playoffs. Well, that too. Sure. We know Patrick Kane shows up in the playoffs. Well, and let's put it this way. Let's add another layer then. You want takeover the game ability? We already knew that the Rangers had it with Zabanajad and Kreider, you know, guys like that who can certainly make their mark on a game. Now, like you mentioned, Patrick Kane. How about we throw in Vladimir Tarasenko as well? Like Artemi Panarin, like like that top six is loaded, and yet somehow or other, I still think one of these games is going to come down to like that third line doing something. You know, it could it could come down to here's another example for you because let's go to the fourth even. It could come down to a game where Tyler Mott's the player to watch. You know, like it really could, or the guy we talk about at the end of the game and say that's that's the guy who helped. You know, that that makes my heart so happy. I had Tyler Mott in a sim league several years (laughs) ago, and it just makes my heart happy to see him contributing. There you go. But I, but yeah, I'll, I'll take, you know, and listen, I think New Jersey's going to make it interesting because I, you know, they're, they're, they are definitely an up and coming young team that this is only the beginning for them, especially yeah. now. Oh, no, certainly. At, well, especially now that, like, let's put this way Jack Hughes is a superstar. Oh, for sure. It's, it's firmly established now. So he's already there. You've got Luke Hughes there. You know, I mean, they've got a whole host of others who have been able to take over games too. Because what Dawson Mercer had a stretch for a little while where he was unstoppable. Oof, like, man. like they've got a good young team. You know what they don't have that? You know what else they don't have that the Rangers have? Igor Shesterkin. Right. All right. <laughs> so that'll wrap Thanks. us up here for the East. Yep. Uh, we will come back and revisit the East, obviously, when it comes to picking our Stanley Cup winner here in a minute. Yep. Uh, but who do you got coming out of the East? Well, we'll set this up as a teaser so we can circle back to it for our Cup matchup here. Okay, well, I have somebody who I guess you don't because you already hinted at it. I have Boston coming out of the East. Okay. I have the Carolina Hurricanes coming out of the East. Okay. So I, I think Rod the Bod is, is going deep here. So Okay. All right. Uh, let's flip over to the West here, where we have our tabs. Okay, we're starting in the Central it. Division. We have the Vegas Golden Knights against the Winnipeg Jets. Well, it's kind of both. It's Pacific, really, because that's the Pacific Oh, that is winner, fair. I'm but, sorry. Yep. But you're right. It, it's, yeah. that, it's that meshed version because you got a wild card team right, from one right, right. versus, you know, I get it. I forgot Vegas wasn't still in the Central because of that weird COVID year. And that, yes, any, that's anyway. true. Um, okay, so we have Vegas and Winnipeg in the first round. Man, I'll tell you, based on what I've seen out of Winnipeg over the last three weeks, <laughs> I picked I picked Vegas in five. I'll, I'll just come out off the top with it. Um, I won't be surprised if Winnipeg stretches it to six or seven or wins the series. You know, they're not a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I just, based on what I've seen out of them recently, it doesn't look like they want to be there. And Vegas is starting to click a little bit. And I think it's just ships passing in the night and Vegas is kind of just going to blow them out here. If I'm not mistaken, I may be stealing this line from Steve Dangle's uh, predictions. So it like, cause I'll start with this. I have Vegas in six over Winnipeg. So I'll, I'll I do stretch it out a little bit. Winnipeg is, and I think this is where I'm stealing the line. Winnipeg has Connor Hellebuck, who can certainly steal a few games on stuff like that. And Vegas has everything else. Like, <laughs> fair like enough. Vegas is better in every other area. It feels like, and and I can't. What this is, and now this is me talking, not kind of stealing the Dangle answer. Um, I can't help but think about the the couple of weeks that there were where Winnipeg was struggling pretty heavily, looked like they might suddenly drop out of this race, and. You know, Rick Bonus was saying things like our best guys aren't the ones playing well enough. Like this, we got to get this in order and all. So, so that just worries me because Vegas, I think, is going to come in with a mission. And absolutely, you know, that's that's like I and I agree. Vegas does not have the goaltending that Winnipeg does in this particular case. But you know, they have everything. They've else. got. A, I still think they do have everything else. And and you know what else I think they've got? I think they've got a coach who wants to work his way there and and see how far this thing can go because. You know, he's back in a playoff race, too. You know, not, not that he ever wasn't, but you get the point. Like, <laughs> right. it's a new it's a new challenge when it's a new team. And I think that now you embrace this part of it. And But I, I don't see this being, you know, this won't go to seven. This, like, I, I understand your pick right, of Vegas five. I'm going just a better team here. Yeah, I'm going Vegas here. Okay. Uh, and that wraps that up. And heading to our other matchup out of the uh, the Pacific here. Uh, another rematch from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in the second round, or was this the first round last year? Also, uh, that's a good question. No, I think it was first round because okay. then um, didn't Edmonton play? Edmonton played Calgary in the second, and I then they played Calgary in the first. No, no, the Calgary had Dallas in the first. Oh, because, right, 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 right. Okay. Which we'll well, we're going to get into those players later, so I don't want to jump too yes. far ahead. But but yeah. Uh, but either way, we have a rematch: uh, the Edmonton Oilers versus the L.A. Kings. Um, mm-hmm. What are you thinking about this one? Um. This is a, you know, look, I really do like L.A. a lot. I think they've done some good things over the last year to really make a name for themselves. And it, because a lot of it has been kind of drifting away from the old guard and coming in with a new core. Less it, reliance on Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. Yep. More, Tra- more trading yeah. away Jonathan Quick. <laughs> yeah, more reliance and, and more reliance on Adrian Kempe has really been a leader out there. Philip Deneau has been... Re- Philip Deneau was really good this year. You know, you're seeing more of Quentin Byfield, which is good. I mean, like that, that shows the progress they've made. I think their defensive core has gotten better. They added in the right spots with Gavrikov and, and Corpusalo. I think that that really helped them down the stretch as well. That being said, do you really want me to bet against the best player in the world in round one? I'm not going to do it. Like the guy who topped 150 points this year is really going to bow out in the first round. I think not. Um, and, and not only that, but a team that also had 300 point guys on the roster. Crazy. I just can't. I just can't do it. So, uh, you know, that that's my reason. I could like I know that the knock here is always who's in goal for Edmonton. I don't care who's in goal for Edmonton. I I'm taking Edmonton in this in six. OK, uh, I have the same. I also have Edmonton. I also have six games. I the only thing that has me nervous about that is the fact that Phil Deneau is really, really good. <laughs> he is uh, really good. The, the problem with that is when you're playing the Oilers, 
one player isn't enough because if you do manage to somehow subdue McDavid, guess what? Here's Drysdale. Guess what? Here's Nuge. Guess what? Here's <laughs> like uh, you know all these players, and I guess there's not too many more, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and here's Zach Hyman. Here's well, right, uh, yes. and also Connor McDavid's getting to the point where containing him might mean only holding him to two points. <laughs> kind of sometimes, yes. And, and as crazy as that is to say, like the guy had 155 points this year. Like if you, it, if you if you hold him to one, you probably feel pretty good about it. Is it crazy for me to think that down the stretch, by the way, that he kind of took the foot off the gas from his own production standpoint? He could have scored seven just, just to prep for something like this so he can hit it again. And he, you know, th- This was Connor McDavid load management. He was coasting for a little bit, letting the nice nitrous tank you know, build back up, and I expect him to be hitting the gas. Absolutely. So, All right, and uh, with that, that takes us over to the central. Yep. Oh, man, I am... I'm excited about Colorado, Seattle. I am excited. I said about the same thing that I am from this, which is I can't wait for game three and the first home game that Seattle gets in the playoffs. Just it's going to gonna it's be like. great. <laughs> Vegas set the expectations so high and Seattle is owned by literal film producers. <laughs> so I have high expectations. Yeah, real quick, I'm look. I'm looking it up because I want to make sure I get this right about when that game is. I believe that that would be – is that Friday night? No, they're Saturday night. Saturday night? For, well, for game, for game three. Saturday night, well, right. 10 o'clock. No, I know. That is going to be a spectacular sight. I will absolutely be tuning in. I am definitely grateful for the time change because a 9, a, a 9 p.m. puck drop yeah. is – Chef's kiss, perfect for me. Yeah, I'll here. take look. I'll take ten o'clock on a Saturday. It works better for me. But T- TBS, if you're listening, please televise the opening <laughs> introduction, please. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Colorado did get news uh, within the last week or so, however, that they yeah. would not be having the services of Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, it had been speculated for a while coming down the stretch here that he might be ready to go for the playoffs. That it was looking like he might get there. Yeah, I it's, don't a, it's know real exactly shame what, he's. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't know exactly what happened, if there was a specific setback or if he's just not where they need him to be yet. Um, but it became clear that he is not going to be available for these playoffs. And it's definitely a blow. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I it's so hard to pick against them because their defense <laughs> is still stellar. They do still have Nathan McKinnon. And, uh, like, <sighs> Seattle doesn't really have a superstar. I know Matty Beneers had a really great year and Jared McCann had a solid little breakout and but other than that, most of their scoring was like, by who else? committee. Right. Yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah. I mean And I feel like Colorado's defensive core is good enough to just kinda neutralize that. Yeah. I mean, so did you want to give your pick, I guess, while you're yeah, wrapping up your thoughts? I have then? Colorado in six. Okay, I also have Colorado in six, and I'll kind of give you a couple of fun. There's a couple of funny reasons why I picked that, but also, like, I'm being serious about it because, look, I think Colorado does just have better, so they'll win it in six. You know, they obviously have more star power. The scoring by committee line is kind of funny because that's very much the makeup of a Dave Haxtell team. And you know what else is the makeup of a Dave Haxtell team? Losing making in the first it to round. The, making it to the first round and losing in six. So, yeah. Colorado in six. <laughs> oh, and that's all there is to say on that. Okay, that's one, right. One more matchup left, and man, I'm intrigued I, I, by this one. I, I went a little spicy on my prediction, and we'll get into that. Okay, um, 
But as far as fun goes, yeah. man. <laughs> because these are two teams that just kind of let it all hang out. And in the playoffs, it's going to be interesting to see how they counteract each other. Um, both have some young, exciting superstars. It uh, looks like Kirill Kaprizov is you know, going to be... Is he back? Around at some point. Right. Um, (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how he looks versus Jason Robertson. Yeah. Uh, Both teams have the young star. Both teams have some good depth, uh, you know, veteran depth. Both teams have solid defenses. You know, both teams have really great goaltending, honestly. Like, if this this goaltending matchup ends up being uh, Jake Ottinger versus Philip Gustafson, I mean, that's spectacular. I mean, I, I, I don't think I don't think you can go wrong either way if it's no. So I don't against flurry either. I don't think this is the last time we see this matchup over the next three, four, five years in the playoffs. I think these teams are going to bump into each other again. Well, they're in the same division. Well, sure. I, and they're oh, both, I get it. And they're both looking like they're going to be at the top of it for a while here. Um, I have Dallas in five. Really? Okay, that is spicy. And I know it's spicy, and I know it's a little quick. But I can't pick everything to go six or seven. I do think they're all close. And at some point, I look at these two teams and I think they're very similar teams. I think Dallas is just kind of the slightly better version of it. Okay. Um, I, I think they have a little bit more scoring depth. Uh, it mm-hmm. does dry up a little bit after that top six for Minnesota. Um, I think Dallas gets it done and I don't think it takes very long. I think Jake Ottinger is... As far as Dallas goes, I think Jake uh, Jake Ottinger will be a Conn Smythe candidate for that entire duration. That's very fair to say. It's a big part of the reason. So I guess I'll spare you the drama on the first part of this, which is I have Dallas winning the series as well. Okay. I do. I do not have five games, but uh, but Jake Ottinger is a big reason why I do have them winning the series because he was incredible throughout the year. Um, I'll, I'll you know I guess I'll just give the game number now too because. There's a little bit of a backstory behind it, so to speak. I'm picking Dallas in seven because this time around, he doesn't lose game seven. Okay. Like last year, he did everything he could to win that game seven against Calgary and just, and didn't, (sighs) I can't even say he lost it. He made a save with his head and then got beat by a rebound afterwards. He was spectacular. Like seriously. So incredibly good. But what what he did this year is exactly what I thought was going to happen with him this year, which was he took that probably as motivation and was better. And I don't see them losing in the first round as a result of that. I, to be honest, I'm not, I don't know if I'm willing to speed it up to five games, but I could see it being done in six okay. because I, I, like, like he steals another game. It's, it, it could be sooner. Who knows? I do love their makeup in terms of, look, Robertson's a great player and he's the leader of that offense from a production standpoint. I think that maybe the real leader of the offense kind of falls between Joe Pavelski and Jamie Ben. Like they're very much, you know, the the resurgence of Jamie Ben has been slept on all season. And that's been slept on. I was going to say that because the resurgence of Joe Pavelski has not. No, but But, the thing about the thing about Jamie Ben is if he's as back as it looks like he's been this mm -hmm. season, then he's going to be a friggin' menace in the playoffs when the rules sure. stop mattering. Because Jamie Ben is a physical player, and some would say dirty, but in the playoffs, it, dirty it, just translates different. to effective. Sure. And well, and here's the thing. So, so I'm lumping in because I'm lumping in your favorite player, Rope Hints, because you know he's he missed some time at the end of the regular season, by the way. But yep. which kind of takes away from the effect that the team had. Like I, I think you notice when he's not playing. So absolutely, I, I think that that matters. 
Um, you know, if you're going to talk about the veteran group, you can't forget Tyler Sagan and 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 then what? Thirty-seven goals for him, by the way, new career high. So. Yeah, there you go. Thanks and for telling I, me he was never going to be a thirty goal scorer. Anyway, <laughs> and but you can't ignore the back end that they have, and and Miro Heiskanen is the biggest part of it. Absolute pure cornerstone defenseman. You know, probably doesn't get enough recognition because he Absolutely. was right out of the draft, like right, right in front of Kale McCarr. Seventy-three points this year. He was great, outstanding, Insane. and and we haven't even and, mentioned Wyatt Johnson, who's going to end up finishing top three in the Calder voting. Probably, I mean, yeah, I like what what a job he's he and I, boy, do I like him as a player. Like he's only going to get better too, and and this is not to take away from what Minnesota has completely. Like I, like, look, Caprice is going to take over games, and because he can. And they do have all those other pieces in place. You know, I do think it's a big deal. Like, I don't know if they're starting the playoffs without Joel Erickson. It could be the case. That's a big hole to fill at this time of year. Yep. It's just really tough. I like, I like, believe, like, I like a lot of their guys, but I don't know I, if you're filling it. I believe they're expecting him to play at some point. It might just not be right away. Yeah, but that's um, lost time in a playoff series, which is tough. I mean, like, like let's just like uh, one one player for them who I think has done a hell of a job this year that probably doesn't go recognized near enough is Freddie Gaudreau. I mean, oh, yeah. he's been he's really had a strong year and I think can do some damage in a playoffs. But like, let's let's put it this way: I'm not that different from you in the sense that I don't think that this is a short run for Dallas this year. I will just I, say that. I agree, and kind of getting us towards the end of this conversation here, um, I don't have Dallas coming out of the West, but I do have them losing in the Western Conference Final. So I do have them making a bit of a run. Uh, I have them losing to the Edmonton Oilers. So I have the, in the Edmonton, West? I have the Edmonton Oilers coming out of the West to meet the Carolina Hurricanes in the final. Ooh, so hold on a minute. That is very spicy then. So you're rematching 06. Ooh, okay. Absolutely. Um, for, first of all, by the way, I will express that we share the exact same Western Conference final. You with have the same. Dallas Edmonton also? I have Dallas Edmonton also, and we share the same winner. I have Ooh. Edmonton as well. Okay, um, obviously, we, we heard you have Boston coming out of the East. So, but... Can I reason with you on Edmonton for a second? Yeah, though? absolutely. One of the hottest teams at the end of the regular season. and that's So now let's couple in two things. Sometimes hottest at the end of the regular season is not the best because you're then entering the playoffs and you got to maintain. But this is the best player in the world we're talking about. Who at also got a taste, speed. Who also got a taste of the Western Conference final a year ago. Yep. This might be his time. I think... Okay. So, if... Connor McDavid has already gotten himself in the Sidney Crosby level of greatness conversation. Mm -hmm. If, man, I'm trying <laughs> so hard to say this the right way. I know, you're trying to be careful. Go ahead, hit me with it. If he continues dominating this postseason like he did this regular season, mm -hmm. and the Oilers go on a deep run. Yes. You start looking at McDavid a little higher up the all-time chart than that. Let's let's just put it that way. I know he's not there yet. Until he has the rings, it doesn't matter. But you start looking at right now, I think a lot of people look at his ceiling as a Sidney Crosby. You know, he'll probably win some cups. He's gonna be a legend mm -hmm. for 20 years. He's one of the greatest players in this generation, for sure. sure. Probably the single greatest player of the current generation as we sit currently. Right. But man. 
He's got the potential, and we've seen the takeover in him. We, I'm not saying (laughs) anything in particular. I'm just saying there is a shot another number gets retired league-wide. I don't know if I'm going to go that far because for to be truthful, does he start, you, does he start getting in the 66 conversation? Um, as kind of one of those, like, and again, obviously he'd have to win at some point, you know, we are still talking about a guy who's like 26 or 27. One of the only reasons I don't believe that is because I mean, he's not even the only 97 in the league right now, you okay. know, like, like at the time, like what you're going off of was a guy who literally was the only player who was wearing the number. Fair. You know. Okay. And, okay. You know what, what I mean. I don't mean the no, actual specific jersey retirement aspect of it. No. I don't, look, I don't think it'll ever get to that point. I mean, I think he, to be honest, I think he would have to, if if, if he ever didn't, and believe me, it's going to be tough at this point, like, or tough in general. Like it was always going to be tough. It was one of those unbreakable records. But yeah. if he ever was in the conversation to break the points record, right, which then you, you would. Be. Well, no, but I think I do think he has a legitimate conversation as number two. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, nobody, let's just wait. Nobody else in the history of the National Hockey League has ever reached 2,000 points outside of Wayne Gretzky. He could, do I it. think he could become the second. Okay. Well, just at the he, clip that he does things at. And based on the predictions we both have, uh, we both have him getting his first shot at Lord Stanley here. We do. Um, so let's talk about our cup finals here. You have Edmonton so, and Boston. Right. Now, okay, so do me one favor because we already just confirmed yeah. it. We, did, we, already, we already confirmed Edmonton over Dallas in the conference final. Yeah. So you have Carolina beating who in the conference final? Toronto. Okay. And I have Boston beating the Rangers. I have Carolina beating the Toronto Maple Leafs after okay, so their I, second round victory over the Boston Bruins. Sure. So I have Boston <laughs> over the Rangers in the conference final. So that's how I got okay. to that point. Okay. Uh so you, everybody else do the math, okay? You can figure right. out who we picked from the winners at this point in the second round. So there you go. Uh, and after the brackets lock, you will be able to see our brackets on the on the league sure, on NHL.com slash brackets. Sure. All right. So who so who you got in the final then? Carolina or Edmonton? So I think in your final, yes. in, in Edmonton versus Boston. Okay. I think I would take Boston. Okay. Because at that point. I, that team is just so complete that if they get there, I have to assume that if they befall any sort of major tragedy, it will knock them out before this. If if they lose, you know, knock on wood, if they lose Bergeron and McAvoy, <laughs> they're not going to make it here. Right. Um, but I think as long as they make it here, you know, at relative health, uh, I think a Boston team in the finals is not losing just mm-hmm. out of pure determination. Um, in my series though, in, in Edmonton versus Carolina, I have it a little, it's, it's a fun series. Yeah. Not a ton of goaltending. Okay. Really good players on both sides. Some real intensity. I think that would be, it would be interesting to see what Connor McDavid could do against, uh, Carolina's defense core. It'd be interesting to see what, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes could do against, uh, the Edmonton Oilers defense. Uh, I would... I would be choosing. Uh, you mentioned 2006 <laughs> earlier, and yes. What do you remember about that cup? Like when you think about that Stanley Cup final, what is the first image that pops into your head? Rod Brendan were holding the Stanley Cup. Okay, take two. Okay, there you go. Carolina Hurricanes. Do you have a number of games for that? 
Um, I did not have a number of games, but I, I think I put it at like 39 goals. So I'm, I'm expecting a bit of a longer series. Um, I, oh, would okay. say, I would say probably six. Okay. The only re- let's just wait. The only reason I because I thought you might go with the uh, like complete deja vu moment and say in seven. Okay. Um, not quite. Because because well, let's let's not forget that when Carolina won in two thousand six, they were up three one in the series and then nearly blew it and then <sighs> pulled it out in, in the end because a lot of people were pulled. By the way, speaking of which, something we didn't mention from around the league. By the way, the coach of that 06 Carolina team is no longer coaching in Washington anymore. By the way, right. Um, just throwing that out there. So Peter yeah. Laviolette's a free agent again. Um, but so, okay. So that's, that's an interesting, I I see your reasoning behind that. Totally. Um, the interesting part for me, and I'm actually starting from this point with, with Carolina is I don't even have Carolina getting to the conference finals and it has everything to do with Svechnikov. That's fair. Before that injury, my conference final for the East was Boston, Carolina. And I don't know if I, like, I think I still would have had Boston coming out of the conference final at that point. But I really think, like, like I even said, I have Carolina probably getting past the wild card. And then that's probably where they run into trouble. Fair enough. And that Metro division is so evenly matched. And they were close all year. And they've they've played great games against each other all year. I certainly won't be surprised if, sure. if you know, that's the great thing about the playoffs. Right. And part of the reason why I have Boston going into the Stanley cup final is because as I look at the matchups that I have lining up for them, I think each one starts to become favorable for them that they would play like they're playing Florida, who we both think obviously they're going to be able to defeat. Then I have them playing Tampa, who I think is going to give it all against Toronto. Well, then I'm moving them on in that one. Then I have them playing the Rangers who I still think are going to get locked into a tough series with Carolina. Nonetheless, and the Rangers are like the Rangers are close. Let me tell you. They oh, are yeah. they're oh, close to yeah. being one of these teams. I just don't know I think I, th- I think Carolina beating them in the second round will be seen as a bit of an upset. Yeah, Carolina losing to the Rangers in the second round is a bit Well, of an no, I have Carolina going through is what I'm saying. Is I oh. on my bracket having them go through the Rangers in the second oh, okay. round. Might be I, I know that's a bit of a controversial opinion. And by the time the Rangers would get to the conference final and play Boston for me, Again, I'm starting to wonder about mileage, not necessarily on the younger guys, but but a guy like Truba, who's got some age to him and, and who plays the way that he does. Patrick Kane is not really even completely 100% now. What's he going to be like by that point of the playoffs? How about Tarasenko, who's dealt with injuries over the over the past, right? Even a guy like, you know, even a guy who could come into this thing 1000% completely healthy. Playoffs are a different animal. What happens um, if Chris, no, but what happens if Chris Kreider just takes a beating at net front because that's how he's Chris Kreider, right. right? But like that's what I'm saying. So I like I just think that Boston has too many waves coming at you to fall apart at that stage of it. I agree. And once you get to the Cup final like that between these two teams, as much as you can look at this could be McDavid's time, and it's you know because because it's McDavid and all that type of stuff, I just. It's there's a destiny feel to this whole thing with Boston and the way that the whole year has gone. I mean, we've been saying last dance since August and it's it's and yeah, but you know what's funny? It started there and then it was look how much they're winning. Then it's something like Linus Olmark scores a goal. Then it's something like like there's just too many magical moments for this team for it to not end this way. I just is going to come out and have a hat trick in Edmonton. Well, do you want to know something that's interesting to me about the final two that I have anyway, that if this plays yeah. out the way it does? 
it's one of the few teams out there. Like I have Edmonton going over Los Angeles, over Vegas, over Dallas. And every time I look at one of those opponents, I don't, even though they've got great players, I don't find the individual who I say, oh yeah, he can go toe to toe with McDavid completely until I get to Boston. And I say, David Pasternak has it. Yep. And that like to be well, honest and, and they can handle him defensively between Bergeron and McAvoy like they're good enough defensively to shut him down I mean Bergeron McAvoy Krejci yep. like, and they have a guy up. who can compete with him offensively in in Pasternak, Pasternak. like you're saying I yeah. I would even go so far as to say that assuming this happens and I do have it as a coin flip I have Boston over Edmonton in seven so it's a coin flip I do think it's not going to be a close sure. series but I would go so far as to even say you know what based on the way that I'm talking about it as much as I want to sit, because this is a true thing with Boston and Edmonton, Boston will have the better goaltending on paper coming in. I don't think that's the guy who stands out the most in the series. I really think Pasternak would be the guy. So I'll even go so far as to say if Boston wins the Stanley Cup, Pasternak is the Conn Smythe winner. I think that's a completely fair call. I think it'll be hard to get it off of Allmark, but I certainly understand. And I would totally a thousand percent understand if <laughs> right. Allmark won it. I mean, Allmark um, was by far the best goalie in the league this year. For the record, my logic on having Toronto beat them in the second round is I think Toronto, once they get over that hump, I could see. Do you it get Washington vibes? Like when Washington finally got past Pittsburgh, it was like, hey, we're past the second round. So I do still have them losing to Carolina in the conference final because it's hilarious uh, pitching the idea of them losing a series to Frederick Anderson. Uh, <laughs> but you beat. I appreciate that. Right. You beat Tampa, get out of the first round, and then you beat Boston and get to slay those demons. And then I think that team will have um, you think the team's exhausted by that point? right we'll have spent their energy and sure. in the conference finals and the carolina hurricanes that's fair right and the carolina hurricanes are a team that have been there and know how to pace themselves over a long playoff run and i think i think that'll be enough to make the difference and at that point we're obviously talking about who's healthy sure i think the interesting thing based on the way that you're talking here yeah. is there's a lot of teams, and, and I'm saying this really particularly in the East, but I think you could say it for a lot of teams no matter what, that you could look at and say, this is their year. Like, it, like it Every feels team like, loaded up. Well, if, but, but not just that, though. Like, Boston feels like destiny, so it feels they like do. their year. If Toronto gets past the first round, there's going to be an element where you're like, maybe this is a year where it's more than just the first round. How, you know, Carolina's been close before. Could it be their year? Could it be the Rangers' year because they've been close? Could it be Vegas' year because they've been close? Could it Do be they... McDavid's time and Edmonton's right. year? Like, yep. there's so many of these. And and the funny part is, is like, like when we talked about this too, because you've got Carolina going through and being able to win the Stanley Cup, so you think it could be their year. We both did the same thing in the Western Conference, which means we both knocked out two teams that were sitting there going like, hey, it could very well be their year again. Like, it could be Colorado's year again. It could right. be Vegas. Would you be surprised if Vegas was in the Stanley Cup final? Because I wouldn't no. be. No, as, as a matter of fact, until Edmonton got hot toward the end of the year, that was who I was going to pick. Okay. Because I, like, and the funny part is, like, now they're going to have to play each other, and I do think that Edmonton wins that series all in all. But it's like... Before that, I had, and I, I guess what I never, I never wavered on the Boston side of this. I was gonna go with the coaching matchup. I was gonna sit there okay. and say we are, we are bound for a Jim Montgomery, Bruce Cassidy Stanley Cup final, and Man, it's gonna how be. How fun brilliant. is that? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm almost disappointed that I can't like that based on the way that I feel about Carolina without Svechnikov that I don't have them in the conference final because I so would love to see the Jim Montgomery Rod Brindamore conference final. I think it Amazing. would be brilliant. 
amazing. And you know the best part about all this, Kevin? Is that we get to keep breaking it down? Is that we get to keep breaking it down. We get to come back in two weeks to talk about it. Um, we are tentatively have our next show scheduled for uh, after the first round ends. We're hoping it'll be about two weeks. That's usually how things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will maybe be back. something, yeah, maybe something else later. We'll, yeah, we're, we're we'll working on something. Out in the meantime. We're working some things. Don't forget that I did mention the thing about me popping some stuff up on on my own socials as well. So that yes. that'll be a place where you can hear me if you want to hear me. Absolutely. Make sure to follow Kevin uh, at Kevin underscore Darso on Twitter. It will be. And- and as we learned today, also on Instagram. Not that I use it a whole hell of a lot. Like I'm, I'm so not the 21st century guy on Instagram. That's for sure. But, um, but you know, but they'd we, be on both. I will, I will get them to both platforms. Absolutely. So make sure to follow him on both platforms. Uh, he'll be tweeting about the playoffs as we go along here. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the next, uh, you know, the next round. Do a preview of the round two. A wrap up of round one. Uh, see how whatever. wrong we see how wrong we were. <laughs> As well as whatever Flyers news there is to talk about, we'll touch on the Danny Briere uh, and John Tortorella media availabilities that are happening on the day after we record. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow us on our socials. Like I said it before, YWT Podcast, Kevin's at Kevin underscore Durso. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. Find us wherever you find your podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You name it, we got it. I think that's going to do it for today, Kevin. One more yeah. sleep till the playoffs can't wait let's let's get this thing going let's do that hockey last call you got boston yes all right i got carolina we'll be back in a couple weeks we'll see who's wrong see ya